You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, part two of our recaps from week five. We've got Monday Night Football now in the books, which was a good one and huge news involving the Las Vegas Raiders. We haven't talked about that game against the Bears either. And now they are head coachless. Uh, I think we know who their interim head coach is going to be, but wow, what a situation there and how quickly that happened with John Gruden resigning as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders and a ton of other week five games to cover. This episode brought to you in part by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL is where you can find Matt and myself and get involved in tomorrow's podcast where we will answer some listener questions. But right now, Matt, we've got to start with the big story rocking the NFL, which is John Gruden who has resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think maybe the most, I, don't, I mean, the, did you see the statement from Mark Davis? That No. Okay, I mean, it almost added some levity to this serious situation because John Gruden, the, the word came out that he was resigning. And then there was a statement from Mark Davis in the Raiders on the official Raiders account that said, I have accepted John Gruden's resignation as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> that's a pretty pretty bold statement there by Mark Davis. He accepted the resignation. So that's where we're at right now with the Las Vegas Raiders, who, by the way, uh, have lost a couple games now since their 3-0 start. Yeah, and you know, watching the Monday Nighter last night and you know Schefter and those guys being interviewed and reporting the news, it sure sounded like, and I'm looking into it a little, that Davis and Gruden are buds, you know, and they, you know, he, he hired them with intention of being the longtime head coach. We know that part. And it sounded like the NFL was putting a lot of pressure on Davis at this point that you better make a move. And didn't seem like he was super excited to do so, but more or less gave Gruden an ultimatum along the lines of, you know, we're going to fire you with cause or you're going to resign. You know, I mean, there's just too much here, obviously, which is, Really unfortunate. I mean, I don't want to get too much into the contents of the email and Gruden's character and all those things, but it has to affect this team. It had to affect them this week. You know, I, I, I'm sticking with football on this side. I mean, like Gruden has done a lot for Derek Carr's development. And now where's that at? You know, things like that. It's just, man, it, it, I can't remember a situation like this. It's pretty amazing. I mean, he's got the only openly gay player in the NFL on his own roster. So when you start adding the things up, he might have been able to skate through one, you know, bad comment and the Demory Smith stuff. And then you see the rest of it. And we start adding, you know, stuff that's racist and uh, homophobic and sexist and misogynistic. And like 10 years ago versus now, it's just anything that comes out, you're not going to be able to skate through all of that stuff. Um, and when it comes to other coaches in the NFL, it was a, it was a different world 10 years ago. Uh, th- there are some other coaches probably sweating, thinking, man, what kind of dumb crap did I write in an email 10 years ago when it was kind of right, accepted right. and it was the old boys club? And 
especially like really misogynistic, like bro attitude type stuff. You know, I know there was a lot of that for some old coaches around the league, and they're probably hoping they didn't CC Bruce Allen in any of those. That's the one thing I didn't understand, and maybe you know, and frankly, I didn't look that much into it, but how did this all come out? I mean, because it was so long ago. Did Who's combing through Gruden's emails of 12 years ago? Or so, uh, and uh, Albert Breer had a good tweet about that. So this all has come out from discovery in the in the Washington football team stuff. So uh, here's how Albert Breer put it, and I think this sums it up really well. He said, also fascinating is how quickly the Gruden emails have become public while the all the other aspects of the league's investigation into Dan Snyder have remained completely private. Lesson for everyone in the difference between the people who cash the checks and those who write them. Mm, okay. So this uh, is I, all... I just didn't understand why people were looking in the, in the first place. Yeah, this is, this is why those emails keep referencing Bruce Allen and, and Washington, because this is from Gruden's time in Washington. And this is all part of the discovery phase of the league, going through everything with the Dan Snyder stuff. Um and that investigation that has been kind of quiet and you almost forgot about it for a while, yeah, and right. which I'm sure is the way the league wants it. And it's interesting that zero emails, zero information has come out about ownership or any of that stuff, but there's all this stuff that comes out about a former head coach that, that by the way, had things to say about the commissioner in those emails. Right, right. Craziness. So the special teams coach takes over and I'm sure there's going to be a drop off and the Raiders were starting to play a little worse anyway. And you know, the, they're in a brutal division and just draw lost one to the bears. And all of a sudden don't I'm not making light of it by any means, my under bet on the Raider win, all of a sudden, win totals looks a heck of a lot better. I think they're in a really rough spot. I feel for them, to be uh, honest. It's, it's a rough situation for Raiders fans to be in. They're riding high. They're like, okay, let's get these playoff tickets going here at 3-0. and Team's looking good under John Gruden. Everything's heading in the right direction. <laughs> they lose two games. Uh, they lose pretty badly last week. And now all this other stuff with Gruden, now they don't have a head coach. And I don't think you can be bullish at all in the direction the franchise is going, especially this year. Right, 100% agree. And, you know, I guess they'll start the market for the next coach. And does he like Carr? And what kind of system is he going to put in just when things were starting to really look up? You know, so really unfortunate, of course. But that is the topic of the day. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about this game against the Bears. But uh, one last note here, and this is on the Gruden thing. This is from Marcus Thompson, who's a local Bay Area guy that uh, read a lot of his stuff for a long time. And he covers, he's, you know, grew up an Oakland Raiders fan uh, and, and covers the team now for the Athletic. He said, let John Gruden's demise be a reminder. The Raiders' legacy is also about respect, inclusion, and community. The franchise should never forget that part in its addiction to nostalgia. And, and I think that goes back to <clears throat> Mark Davis's dad. And, and he was that sort was. of ahead of his time as far as some of the inclusion and those types of things. And so I think that's maybe part of it and why, um, it, even with his son Mark Davis in charge, this is something that wasn't going to fly. Yeah, and by no means am I defending Gruden, but you did mention that the you know Carl Nassib Nassib is 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 out, and I had heard just a couple weeks ago like this is one of the best locker rooms in the league. You know, there's a a uh, recovering alcoholic who's mentoring another recovering alcoholic in mm -hmm. the in the locker room, along with an openly gay player. Like, 
things were good by, you know, me sitting on the couch, not being there. I mean, his players might still like him. I, I mean, love him. I don't, I don't know, but it was an interesting locker room team environment before all this too, you know, like, yes, I don't know. You know, for sure. I, what do I know? I'm sitting here in my bar in my basement. And look, the, the NFL is a different world 10 years ago too, but uh, it it, is. the, the it stuff is. that was in those emails is just something that, you know, can't fly. And if you, if you found that in no. someone's past, you wouldn't have hired them in the first place too. So that's another way Absolutely. to look at it. If some folks are like, Oh, last 10 years ago is a different time. You could be a different man now. Yeah. It's, it's not going to work. It's not. It's not going to go. And I know. And I, the the league was much more like that. The league has changed a lot since then, too. So absolutely um, for the better, of course. If other coaches have their emails looked through, there there could also be some trouble because I don't think that was something people people weren't worried about that kind of thing. Let's put it that way. Um, that you could say whatever you wanted, and it was almost looked at as like, a, oh yeah, okay, who's got the t- who's got the the filthiest mouth? Who's you know like it, it was that way. It's it's crazy oh, yeah, to think, yeah. you know. That's. That's the way the NFL especially was for a long time. It's one of the things I didn't like about the NFL. and One of the things I didn't like about playing sports growing up. There, there, There's, especially in the past, and I think it's much less like that now, which has changed absolutely for the good, is there was so much more of that. You see old school football coaches that now get in so much trouble for doing some of these really stupid drills where they're putting their kids in physical danger, but they're tough guy drills, you know. Um, so much about, especially the NFL, but a lot of sports has changed a lot in the last 10 years. It has, and the the world's getting smarter, of course, and change is hard, obviously. You know, I mean, there's, it, uh, again, I I'm, keep... I'm sure Gruden has field. changed, too. Like, Gruden, maybe there's a comeback story for him in all of this, but he, right, had, he right. had to go, too. Absolutely, and um, again, I, I think the Raiders are now in trouble and kind of were already. Raiders are in trouble. They lost. They only put nine points up against the Bears this yeah. weekend. We've got to cover this football game a little bit more in depth. 20-9, to nine, the Bears at 3-2 and two beat the Raiders, who are now 3-2. and two. And this was at home for Las Vegas, laying an egg there, a revenge game for Khalil Mack, who was all over the place. And I'm sure he was fired up for this one. He had a sack, a tackle for loss. He had another sack that didn't count toward his sacks on a two-point conversion. So uh, he was all over the place, and... How about that for Khalil Mack, who who has this revenge game, beats his old team, and it was the last game that the coach that traded him away coached, it turns out. Yeah, how about that? I hadn't thought about that. Interesting. My takes from the game, Carr didn't play particularly well, and I'm not particularly worried about him. I don't think he's an MVP type of guy, but I still think he's a, a better-than-average quarterback. And the Bears' D... It's quite good. You know, I mean, uh, I thought they, they're a little better than I expected on defense. And that's kind of what we've been accustomed to with this defense the last five years or whatever, 30 years, you know, really. It's a good unit there for sure. But my biggest takeaways were kind of feeding off each other. I still don't understand why Justin Fields isn't running more. I mean, clearly they're telling him not to because – I mean, he had three rushes in this one. I mean, even when the play breaks down, you'd think tuck it to go or devise rush runs for him. Mm-hmm. But the Bears are running the ball very, very well. I mean, this goes back to Montgomery with or without Montgomery, Herbert, Williams. I thought Herbert was the better of the two players in this game and maybe takes the lead role going forward. But they can run the football. And a lot of it's their offensive line. Their offensive line's bad in protection, but a big mauling group in the run game, it does pretty well. Herbert did look really good, and uh, I advised our listeners, and I hope they took my advice. I've got him on just about all my fantasy football teams where there's enough room on the bench to add someone like that who was the number three running back 
to start the year. Uh, but I liked him out of Virginia Tech. I thought that was a great pick. And those are the types of players who can become league winners in your fantasy football league. So Khalil Herbert, I don't know if they'll allow him to be just the straight number one guy, but it's pretty clear it's going to be at least a split for now with Damian Williams back there. And, and maybe he'll own the big part of that split. One thing I will say about Justin Fields, obviously he's looked better from that disaster game. And, you know, he, he's not he's making some big throws, but they're not putting too much on his plate here. They want to run the ball. He threw it 20 times, completed 12 of those, had a couple of nice throws, a touchdown pass, the first touchdown pass of his career. He's had a rushing touchdown, a 91.9 rating there. You know, it wasn't looking amazing, but it was enough to go win a football game. But he did leave the game for a moment. Andy Dalton came in and completed a pass. Uh, then Fields came back. But, and we saw a little bit with the 49ers game, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I don't want my quarterback running too much. Like, run in the natural flow of the game, but I don't want him getting hit either. So, I think it might be smart for his development to say, look, we need you to be able to be awesome from the pocket and then run when necessary. Uh, we're not too worried about right now with just running you into the ground just so we might be able to win one extra game in your rookie season. So long term, I kind of like it if they're putting the hand or the, the leg cuffs on Justin Fields a little bit. But you got to get him rolling out at least and use his athleticism. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I didn't mean that to be a negative thing that why isn't he running? And then I immediately said, well, it looks like he's being coached not to. Well, yep. that's the answer. Right. I mean, it's just like you said, I think they want him to develop as a pocket passer. And then those other things will be gravy and cherry and whipped cream on top. You know, I mean, so I get it, but it, it's not a win now philosophy. We've got to move on from those Las Vegas Raiders who are in a rough spot. We'll see if they can rebound. And uh, I just think it's pretty clear that they weren't as good as we thought they looked like in those first three games. But I think they're okay, and that's going to be a tough division for them. And that team is going to have to uh, rally and have an us-against-the-world, I think, mentality the rest of the way here without their head coach now after five games we've got to move on to a cowboys victory monday night football Heck which is a, a fun one absolutely we've got uh let's see eagles panthers that we have to cover which is another good one 49ers cardinals all that coming up on peacock and williamson as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You probably learned a little something over the early part of the 2021 NFL season about some teams. Maybe you feel confident that you want to bet on some NFL spreads you see week to week. Over-unders, MVPs, Rookie of the Year. There are a number of different things you can bet on when it comes to the NFL. College football, there are odds, props, contests, uh, an updated site interface. And Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. You can find news at betonline.ag. If you don't want to bet on the NFL, there is basketball, boxing, baseball, Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available this season and use promo code LOCKED ON to get a welcome bonus. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Monday Night Football, a fun one. Remind me a little bit of a game that happened Sunday between the Chargers and Browns. By the way, a great stat here on that Browns Chargers game. This is from NFL on CBS. Entering Sunday afternoon, NFL teams were 400 and 0 in the Super Bowl era when scoring 40 points in a game without committing a turnover. Following the Browns' loss, that number is now 401 with the Browns, the 
40 points, no turnovers, and still losing that game to the Chargers. Not quite as many points on Monday Night Football, but it took some quarterback heroics and a late push in overtime for the Ravens and a lot of missed kicks, which was a theme this week. More ki- more missed kicks, I think, than ever in the history of the league, especially extra points this week. Those PATs were not going in for teams. I think they should start going for two a little bit more, and I think maybe they already should have. But the Baltimore Ravens come out of this one on top, 31-25, improving to 4-1. and And those Colts, unfortunately, now at 1-4 and and in a tough place in the AFC South. Yeah, they are. And... Colts came out hot on both sides of the ball. I thought they were very impressive. The the Taylor long run, I thought their O-line was holding up pretty well. And the defense was, you know, bottling up the Ravens' run game in particular. An underreported story in this one is Wentz threw for over 400 yards, didn't turn the ball over. I mean, like, yeah. he played really, really well. But what a comeback by Baltimore. I mean, they didn't get their 100-yard rushing effort. Oh, well. But... I mean, Jackson, I think he's better than he's ever been. I mean, I think he's a better player now than his MVP season. He's throwing the football better this year than at any point in his career. 442 yards, four touchdowns, and a a high percentage of it, sort of in a Chiefs-like manner. You know, Marquise Brown and Andrews are sort of their version of Tyreek and Kelsey. Um, They're not quite as good as the Chiefs guys, but it's the same – Genre, same mold, same neighborhood, and it's really working for this Ravens passing game. And again, what a comeback! I mean, not most teams hang it up after you know deeper into that. It's so big for this team because they they didn't muster much offense at all early on. And the Colts, you got to compliment them on their defense and stopping the run for those Ravens. So that's a huge boost for the Baltimore Ravens offense if they can win games this way with Lamar Jackson being more much more of a passer than a runner through complete the efficiency 37 and 43 passes he completed 442 yeah. yards four touchdown passes and it wasn't uh you know Drew Brees or Peyton Manning hit your back foot balls out in 2.3 seconds but he's throwing darts accurate uh, he was making plays with his arm it's huge to have weapons like Andrews and Marquise Brown who's really having a breakout season now. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned how it's like, you know, sort of the, the poor man's Kelsey and, and Hill there, and, and that's huge for them. Nine and 11 catches respectively, both over 100 yards, both two touchdown receptions. Just massive if the Ravens can start to win this way. And really, and we've seen it sort of with Dak Prescott and how much better he's gotten in his career and how, how just, uh, you know, surgical and how in charge he is of his franchise and his offense. I don't know if uh, the way Lamar Jackson plays, if it'll ever be like that, but to show that you can go beat a team that you're losing to and come back with your arm throwing the football like that is huge for Lamar Jackson's development as an NFL quarterback as he starts to, you know, he's not going to be as dynamically athletic for the rest of his life. I think all of us who are a little bit older and have uh, lived through some 30s know that that's the way it's going to go eventually. He's not going to be running around guys forever. So, And he's got all the arm strength in the world. So seeing that efficiency as a passer has got to be awesome for, uh, for John Harbaugh and the Colts. Without question. And now they sit atop the AFC North. I mean, the Steelers won, but the two Ohio teams lost. You know, they're four and one. I was watching that game early going, I don't know if the Ravens are really a contender. They're maybe just a good team, not a great team. But they got Superman at quarterback right now, and they're a great team. And boy, has it become, and this is probably a topic for midweek or even in the offseason, but boy, has it become obvious that these defenses at the end of games are just helpless anymore. 
Yeah, it's not Big 12 football, but it's um, it's tough when you're out there for that many snaps. And it's, it's we were seeing so many fourth quarter and, and late game points scored in the NFL. And I think there's yeah. absolutely something to that. You, it's hard to be a pass rusher who's defending the run a lot, getting chipped all game long, and then still needs to go make a stop late in the fourth quarter after they've already rushed the passer 50 times. And I definitely think fatigue is a huge aspect of it, and the Colts were gassed. But even teams that are winning the time of possession battle are helpless in the fourth quarter anymore. And I think one part of it, and again, we don't have time for all this, is the coordinators just figure you out. You know, I mean, the mm-hmm. Chargers, Browns, uh, all those coordinators and coaches just knew every team's check and responses no matter what you did, and they just, you know, found ways to beat them. In a way, I think it's really good for the league, though. I mean, games aren't over till they're over. Right. And I think it's it's pretty clear that there's always a tide change in the NFL in almost every game. You look awful in the first half, they're going to figure something out in the locker room and it's going to look different in the second half yeah. for sure, whether it's better or not. And you see the really good teams, really good coaches are better at figuring those things out on the fly, mid-game, and come back and win some games in the fourth quarter. I think that's what we saw here. On Monday Night Football, and a fantastic one. Michael Pittman getting involved a little bit more. Touchdown catch on his six catches. Jonathan Taylor seems to be just like an all-or-nothing player. He either gets zero yards or 19 yards. It's crazy. <laughs> or he takes it to the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. House is that, that reception there, actually. 116 yards on his three catches because he had the 76-yarder. 49ers and Cardinals. The Cardinals remain unbeaten at 5-0, and beating the 49ers who fall to two and three and are now three games back in the West of those cards after five weeks, 17 to 10, the final there, the starting debut of rookie quarterback Trey Lance. What's your take on Lance? Uh, I mean, I forget what podcast I was listening to. I'd certainly credit it, but I've said this for a while with him that you watch that game and you kind of go, boy, he's swimming a little bit. He's in over his head. And then you got to, you got to take a step back with this guy and be like, this dude, was born in the 2000s. I mean, he's one of the, like two or three players in the league that are that young as a human being, as a young man. And he didn't play football last year, basically, and is only has X amount of career starts at North Dakota State. So, yeah, he's swimming, you know, but he does have some moments without question. I mean, obviously. It would be a shock if he wasn't swimming at some point because of that resume you just talked about. Yeah. And obviously he's very physically talented. I think he's got great mental makeup which is one of the big reasons the 49ers fell in love with him and drafted him number three because they believed in the, in the person and the human he's really smart and it hasn't seemed like it was too big for him and even after you know looking bad for a series at the, the beginning of a game he didn't fold or anything like that which is really a positive sign maybe the biggest sign and the thing you're really looking for with a young quarterback is if they're going to fold under pressure and he doesn't seem like that type of player which is good news but yeah he's a unicorn nobody's ever been this young that had a division one double a one season resume and drafted that high like it, it just doesn't happen so there, you almost can't even compare him to anybody even some of the other quarterbacks and there's maybe only a few of those guys that were that young that had a chance to start an NFL game so there's going to be some growing pains there's absolutely going to be some ups and downs but uh, he looked as good as any of the other young quarterbacks that we saw play in their first starts this year. So if that's the worst we're going to see from Trey Lance, I think the 49ers are in pretty good shape, and I don't know how you go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, except now we got word that he's got a a, a mild knee sprain after that game because my big takeaway from that game is I didn't like the game plan. He got hit too much. 
He carried the ball 16 mm. times. Uh, the, the next closest rusher was Elijah Mitchell, who only carried it nine times. And some yeah. of those rushes were scrambles and came you know, naturally through the flow of the game. But a lot of QB powers. He had this huge collision with uh, Justin Simmons at the goal line. It was a great play by Simmons to keep the 49ers out of the end zone on a fourth down play. Um, and Simmons actually got his bell rung on that play and was in concussion protocol for a bit. So um, you can't get your quarterback hit that much. And and it was sort of the thing we go back to Justin Fields we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, I would rather see my quarterback be stuck in the pocket and develop from there rather than you know really trying to win a game in year one of a, a rookie quarterback by putting his body on the line. Like he he cannot get hit that often. But I did like what I saw from him. Made some good throws. He missed some throws. He his miss is high right now. He's uh got he's trying to rifle things in and I think that's sort of a process of him seeing things a little bit too slow and he'll instead of anticipating it being open and feathering a ball in there on the second level, he waits to see it open and then uses his arm strength to try to push it in. Uh and he's missed some balls high. So that's where the interception came. But um, all in all, you know, a solid debut for someone with his resume. Things looking up, and I think the things he needs most is reps. So, to me, you got to stick with them. But I really think they're going to go back to Jimmy G, which I think is the wrong call. Hmm. They have a bye week coming up, correct? Yes, they have a bye this week, and both Jimmy and Trey are hurt. They're both going to stick around and rehab and try to get ready for the Colts, which is coming up in in two weeks. Uh, and maybe they're both not going to be ready. Then they've got Nate Sudfeld, which is not the scenario they want. But I have a feeling no. both of them are going to be available to play, and maybe it'll be enough of a reason for Kyle to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think is the wrong call. Yeah, I hate to say it. I'm not saying the Niners' season's shot, but they're two and three in a brutal division. Kittle's, you know, out. They're they're not the juggernaut I thought they were going to be. I mean, they're not a Super Bowl contender in my opinion. That could obviously change. But I think the right move for the team is let's sink and swim with Lance and accelerate his learning curve. And good for Arizona. I mean, it, points and first downs and yardage were tough to come by in this one. But they found a way to win. They're 5-0. and I mean, they, they keep rolling. A lot of Rondell Moore in this one. His role seems to be growing. DeAndre Hopkins looked like DeAndre Hopkins. Um Good, good game plan by here. Good, good work here by Arizona. And again, you watched every snap of this. I mean, from what I saw, it looked like JJ Watt had like three or four uh, passes batted down at the line of scrimmage, too. JJ Swat. JJ Watt did have some big passes batted down. He dominated. JJ Watt looked yeah, like yeah. vintage JJ Watt in this one. He he was a game wrecker. He wrecked the 49ers up front. Uh, looking at some of the the offensive linemen he faced, I think. Daniel Brunskill, the right guard who faced him most, had like a, a 15 out of 100 grade at PFF and I think maybe 40-something, which is a really bad grade for Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle. Gave the 49ers fits all day long. And really, it was the stars who showed up for Arizona. It was J.J. Watt and it was... Hopkins. Hopkins, obviously. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was the stars that really showed up in this game for them. Hopkins at the very end of it. They were able to beat the 49ers with, in a game that wasn't the same script as they had been. They were scoring thir- 35 points per game, and they only scored 17 right, right. in this one. So the 49ers' defense did their job, it's, and it's oddly enough, it's, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense that's really holding the 49ers back right now. And by the way, Rondale Moore, it's looking like he is... Um, he got a bump in Yeah, usage. getting a bump in snap percentage. He's getting more snaps than Christian Kirk now. Before too long, he might be getting more snaps than A.J. Green. He was really hard for the 49ers to tackle early in the game, and they kind of went away from him a little bit. But, man, he is dynamic athletically. 
Yeah, and he really is an exciting player. Uh, we mentioned JJ, and uh, it shocks me a little bit. It doesn't shock me that he's playing great, but they've gotten quite a bit out of AJ Green, Rodney Hudson, and JJ. Or yeah, the three of them. Those the three old men that they brought mm-hmm. in have all worked out quite well. I'm sitting there looking at the box score, and I know Kyler didn't have his usual game. But he had a QBR of 32.6, and Lance had a QBR of 33.9. So you can see where there's not a lot of points. Chandler Jones, who's not in the box score, is the name I was trying to think of a minute ago, oh, uh, who's okay. also very disruptive even though he never quite got home. And that was a, a heavyweight battle there with Trent Williams versus Chandler Jones. That was pretty fun to watch. He did get a couple of holding penalties on on Big Trent, though. Gotcha. Uh, I guess the last fantasy question is it time to cut Sermon? I've been holding on to this guy forever, and I still have high hopes. Is he non-rosterable anymore? Uh, one carry for him in this game. I think with the injury, he's the number two back currently. Uh, you know, With the injuries in the NFL, he might be a starter at some point very soon, but it's clear that if there's other healthy backs, and he might drop the number three with Jermichael Hasty coming back after the bye, um, hmm. he, he's not Kyle Shanahan's favorite running back there. That's very yeah, clear. Yeah, that's pretty clear. All righty. Let's move this thing along here. We've got some big notes from the NFC East. Wins for the Eagles and Cowboys. And the list of dud teams, just teams that you have not a lot of hope for, is growing in the NFL. We'll get to that next. All right, let me talk about rockauto.com. They've been a really good friend of the Locked On Network now for a long time, and they do amazing work. And with all the increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car, truck, whatever, at a traditional chain storefront. It just makes no sense. So a lot of you do a lot of work on your cars, and it makes a lot of sense financially or as a hobby or whatever. you got to check out rockauto.com because their prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do, for example. Um, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything you're looking for. Uh, I mentioned that the prices are always reliably low and same for professionals as they are for you guys. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So here's what you do. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. They know that we sent you. That's locked on, two words. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com the eagles at panthers the eagles on the road came back to win this one 21 18 i have one major takeaway in this game and that is that bad sand arnold those interceptions that's always been the thing that dogged him all the way back to usc and it happened in this one three interceptions for sam darnold uh, was enough for them to lose by a field goal in this football game yeah, I think that is the biggest takeaway is Darnold looked like Jets Darnold, you know, rattled, you know, th- throwing the ball to the other team. Um, and going hand in hand with that, of course, is the Panthers, what I think is a bad O-line, hasn't really haunted them yet this year. But boy, it in this one. I mean, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves playing as well as any defensive lineman not named Aaron Donald. I mean, he has been crazy. a monster. And just wreck, wrecking things for the for the pan, for the Eagles. Philly is another really tough team for me to. If I were to do another power ranks, it'd be a tough one to slot because they are kind of up and down. They're better than I thought, though. I mean, I don't know if Hurts is a long term answer, but I feel like the franchise 
arrow is pointing up right now. And I thought this year would be uglier for them, to be honest with you. So maybe I just had low expectations because they have some good players. I mean, both lines are pretty decent and they have some decent young skill guys and Hertz makes plays. So they're hard to play against. And now they get the bucks on Thursday night. So we'll see how that, that'll be a nice test for them. The one thing I got the most wrong, I think this off season coming into 2021 was how good the Washington defense was going to be. It's awful. Losing to the New Orleans Saints, 33-22. Jameis Winston uh, showed all the Jameis Winston traits in this game with the you know bad interceptions and then big throws, but he ended up doing pretty well here. 15 of 30, only 50%, but he did have four touchdown passes to his one interception. But um, that Washington defense is not getting it done, and they're borderline bad instead of one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think they're borderline, to be honest with you. I mean, I think they're bad right now. And that blows me away, and it certainly could correct itself overnight because they have that kind of talent. But a lot this year of, and we really saw in this game, just receivers running free downfield. I mean, it looks like communication errors and things like that have been prevalent for Washington. Feels like they should just drop into very basic zones, let those front four hunt, and don't screw things up for now. And maybe that would help correct things. Kind of like we talked about with Darnold, Heineke kind of turned into a pumpkin in this one, too. You know, two picks, and yeah. it's hard to maintain that level once everyone has, you know, four games to analyze you with. You know, you get that pitcher going around the league syndrome. And Winston's a roller coaster, too, but this was the fun part of the roller coaster. They got Kamara heavily yeah. involved, and their weapons to me are still really worrisome. But Callaway and Harris are making big plays, but I almost blame Washington's defense more than I do you know, the receivers for making great plays. Yeah, Deontay Harris getting wide open and loose on a 72-yard yeah. reception. Touchdown catches from Kamara and a couple from Marquez Callaway. He was the fantasy darling coming into the year, and it hasn't really turned out that way for the Saints. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to it's hard to say, okay, the Saints, awesome. You scored 33 points. The offense is back. The Saints are back. I, I don't feel that way out of the, after this game. No. I just come no. away thinking how oh, the, the Saints are middle of the road and Washington's bad. Yeah, and, and I thought Heineke played pretty poorly, to be honest with you. It was very uh, Fitzpatrick, right? He's like the pre-beard Fitzpatrick, where he's going to have the games where he just throws a bunch of picks, and he's going to have some games where he makes some big plays, and his team wins. But um, it's sort of, you know, it's weird. that It's interesting that Heineke ended up being the backup to Fitzpatrick there and, and replacing him, because I don't know if it would have been that different with the way the defense is playing if, if Fitzpatrick would have been quarterback in this team. Yeah, and frankly, I could see Heineke – lasting 10, 12 more years in the league like Fitzpatrick and bouncing around to seven more teams and starting 30 games in the meantime. You know, I mean, he's he's not going to go away, but he's never going to be the answer. And um, the more I look at Washington, they're two and three, and I just don't think that they're in any sort of contention. I mean, I don't know that Fitzpatrick coming back saves the day. You know, I mean, I think they're a six-win type of team, seven-win type of team. You get the feeling the Cowboys are going to run away with this division, and yes. they beat up on the Giants pretty good. The the poor New York Giants going through some injury problems now and lost pretty much everybody who was going to be a playmaker on offense for them in this football game. And uh, yep. it came down to Kadarius Toney ended up being the, the rookie that was making a bunch he of looks plays. He great, though. And then he got ejected from the game. So uh, 10 catches, 189 <laughs> yards. But he's looking like the guy they wanted him to be suddenly. And uh, when everyone's healthy, it's still a crowded wide receiver group, but none of them are healthy. Right. I mean, that, that's kind of how that offense has been all year. I mean, in this game, they lost Barkley, Jones, and Galladay. 
holy smokes, you know, and <laughs> yeah. Shepard before that. And, you know, Glennon threw 25 passes in this one and Barkley's been in and out of the lineup. And, but they're, they kind of withstand it on offense a little bit. Their line's better than I thought. Thomas, the first round pick from last year, the left tackle is good now. And I thought Jones was playing quite well. I mean, I would just like to see the offense 90% healthy with their starting quarterback and see what happens, you know, because it's just musical chairs, whack-a-mole of who's going to be touching the football for the Giants. But, boy, is Tony exciting. I mean, few people in the league move like that guy. And he's not tiny. I mean, he's not Darren Sproles' size. He is really, really quick and dynamic. I think he chose a bad number. I don't like the 89 with Kadarius. He doesn't look like an 89. Doesn't play like an 89 to me. Should have a single digit, man. Yeah, he should. I mean, especially in this day and age, he allow, he allow you to have a single digit. I would have thought Kadarius Tony had been a perfect single digit guy. It would have made him look faster. Maybe maybe that's part of it. You don't, you, th- you see 89, you don't think he's going to move the way he does. Yeah, he is dynamic. And he took some. He took a snap from under center. I, I, I would bet that he touches the ball as a ball carrier, you know, here and there as well, sort of a Cordell Patterson style, you know, even a little bit more quick and not quite as strong as Patterson, but usage-wise. So, interesting player, developing receiver. They have weapons. I just, you just never see them all together. Oh, I saw a photo of Saquon Barkley's ankle, and it just looked like a pumpkin. It was oh, so huge. And, look, I'd rather hand the ball off to Kadarius Tony than Devontae Booker. But this is – I mean, the Giants weren't going to be in great <laughs> shape, I don't think, but th- this is really bad for them. If it's Mike Glennon and Devontae Booker – and you know, right. and Tony and Ingram, and that's it. Like th- that's going to be rough. It is. Although and I think again, I did see Galladay's injury was was minor, and then they dodged a bullet there. So I think Galladay's going to be back soon. Yeah, and Jones was a concussion, and I'm not making light of concussions, but usually that doesn't keep you out super long today. Today's NFL. But yeah, he, we'll he, see. We'll see how bad that is, but I'm sure he'll pass concussion yeah. protocol and be back at some point. Dak Prescott yeah. putting up big an, win for Dallas. Dallas oh yeah, MVP resume for for Dallas. They're throwing up 40 points every week. It seems like now, and uh, their defense is playing a lot better than I expected. So um, stay healthy, and that's uh, that's a fun team to watch. Ceedee Lamb got loose on a 49 yard touchdown reception, which was good to see because his usage had kind of been down in this offense with so many weapons. Dalton Schultz has been sort of. Um, like the he's forgotten. real. Like we were yeah. talking about this on Locked On Dynasty last night. Is is Schultz a uh, fantasy asset? Yeah, uh, he's real. I believe in him. In fact, Schultz is was my starting tight end this week in the Peacock oh, nice. and Williamson Fantasy Football League, and which is odd because I had a couple of stud tight ends earlier in the season in Kittle and Gronk, who were both out. And uh, luckily, I was able to pick up someone as good as Schultz to to add to my team this week, even though uh, I don't think I performed very well at all in our league. But, um, yeah, he's absolutely a rosterable, startable fantasy tight end right now. Yeah, Uh, Mark Andrews helped me bring home the win last night. Ooh, that was a good one. I saw a lot of, yeah, late-game heroics for fantasy teams (laughs) with with Hollywood Brown and... Lamar. Yeah, Lamar. Big-time stuff there. Um, I don't think we have to go too deep into this game. It was a good team against a bad team with the Cowboys who are going to run away now with this division. It looks like. And the last one, another team that might run away with their division, especially with the Colts losing again, is the 3-2 and two Titans after defeating the 0-5 Jaguars 37-19. to 19. Are the Colts done? I mean, that division is worse than the NFC East last year. You know, like, I, I don't know if any of those teams deserve a playoff spot. I guess Tennessee's going to get it, and they beat the Jags. Good for them. They're clearly the best team in the division, but I was super psyched about the Colts last night, just thinking 
maybe we'll have a two horse race in the South and it won't be, you know, bleh. I mean, now I think the Colts are buried. Tennessee's just going to moonwalk to the, the, the division title, even though I think they're the 14th best team in the league or something like that. Um, the Jags are kind of a train wreck, but as you would expect, you know, Derrick Henry with 130 yards. Um, I wonder, I'm sure it's really easy to find how many, what's Derrick Henry's average game consist of in his career when he plays Jacksonville. I mean, there just seems like there's so many highlights of him <laughs> stiff arming safeties in the open field, 50 yards into his run. And, you know, I mean, yeah. I bet he's averages like 160 yards per game against the Jags. I mean, at this point, he's averaging 160 against everybody. It's pretty crazy it's what Derrick right. Henry's doing. You know what's kind of a bummer is uh, there's a lot of really good divisions and good races. AFC West is going to be fun. Uh, AFC North is going to be fun. The NFC West is going to be fun. Um, I think the NFC South could be pretty fun as well, but there's some divisions that are already over. Like it, it sure feels like like it. stick a fork in. I mean, the the Bears are three and two at least, and they're within a game of the Packers right now in the North. But you get the feeling it's going to be the Packers, and you can just give them that. You know, you can give <laughs> that division right now, and certainly it feels that way with the Cowboys in the NFC East and the Titans in the AFC South and the Bills in the AFC East. I mean, those there's just no competition. In, in most of those, in half of the divisions in the NFL right now. I'm going to throw the NFC South in there, too. I mean, Carolina losing. I mean, that's five of eight that I feel really confident that I know who's going to win that division. Absolutely. And then the uh, the race for the number one overall pick in the draft is going to be pretty tight here, too, at the end when you got Jacksonville and the Texans and the Jets. And now with all the injuries, I, uh, the Giants in that group with the Lions, too. I mean, there's uh, yeah. there's five or six teams that I don't see winning more than one game, two games the rest of the way. The bad teams are awfully bad. <laughs> I mean, I haven't brought the Steelers all podcast, but I mean, I used to get this kind of stuff last week even. You know, like people would call in our Steelers show and be like, so are there like two teams in the league worse than the Steelers? I'm like, are you looking at the league? I mean, there are <laughs> five, six, seven dreadful teams. You know, I mean, they won't be if they only would beat each other. Right. Absolutely. And that's what we've seen so far with uh, the Jaguars and the Texans. And then there's some of those matchups to come again with Jaguars, Texans, and then the Jets are getting in the mix with those teams as well. So that'll be fun because there gets to be some head to head with those teams that are fighting for the top pick in the NFL draft and really there's not much more to say about Titans Jaguars game so let's close the book on that one close the book on week five we've gone long enough we've gone over time today but get your questions in for Wednesday's podcast at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL we got some stock up stock down some other things to touch on around the NFL before we turn the page to week six and thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day